Good to be with you this morning. My name's Kelly, and I'm one of the pastors here at Southlands, and it's, a, it's just great to worship with you. You know, here's the thing. For those of us who have put our hope, who have put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, today is it's the greatest day that has ever happened on the face of this planet. I mean, often we don't think about that as believers, right? Well, a lot of times we kind of go, yeah, yeah, and we, we get dressed up on Sunday morning, the one day of the year, and it just becomes like the thing we do, but the reality of what took place, why we're celebrating it today, is the reason why all of us are here gathered. It's a reason why we gather every Sunday. It's a reason why we meet in homes during the week and, and uh, celebrate again what we're celebrating this morning. It's the reason why when you go to the, the restaurant or when you go to the grocery store or when you parent your children or when you go have ham today afterwards or whatever you're going to do, hard-boiled eggs are going to found rotten six months later in the yard, all those kind of things. It's the reason why we do all what we do is because of what we're celebrating today is the resurrection of our Savior. And Friday night, we, we remembered his death, and we had this cross out here, and what we did together as a community is we pinned this, the, these things of the great exchange, what, what Jesus took for us on our behalf and what we're, we're surrendering to him, and it was things like our anxiety and our fear and our sexuality and our sin and whatever, all the, the million things that we can think of, we pinned them to the cross. And all of that would have been meaningless if today wouldn't have happened. Now, I know the thing about the resurrection of Jesus. Even for some of us this morning who call ourselves Christians, can be a far-fetched maybe idea that's kind of out there. The idea that a, a man was tortured and killed and then buried and wrapped up tight in linen, placed into a tomb, and the tomb weighing thousands and thousands of pounds, this rock put in front of it. The idea that this man who was beaten and, and beaten to death, somehow, three days later, came back to life, can be a little like, wait, what? You know, we, if, if we've adopted that as kids, we kind of like accept it in the back of our minds, but some of us who are skeptics, go, man, that's just a nice thing for you guys to believe, and it helps you hold on to hope and faith. But the reality of that, it can be like, wow, that, that's, a, that's, that's out there. I've never, ever seen anybody be raised from the dead. And especially now in day and age, we have modern technology, science, all these kind of things that help make us feel like, yeah, that might have been okay 2,000 years ago. What I love about what we're going to look at this morning is that when Paul argues for the resurrection, he doesn't just argue on the basis of faith. You ever get in a conversation with somebody who's not believing exactly, and they ask you these tough questions, and all we can sometimes as Christians give them is just these faith-based answers. But what I love what Paul does here is that he gives us an argument for the resurrection, not only with faith, but also with reason. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be camping all day here this morning in first, not all day, don't worry, sorry. <laughs> We're going to be camping this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, if you don't have a Bible this morning, it's going to be up on our screen, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Um, usually we read from the ESV, but the NLT, I love the way it, 
it talks about what we're going to be reading this morning. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 3, we're going to read 3 through 8. Paul says this, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have died. Then he was seen by James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, verse 8, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. And we know that Paul, that Jesus appeared to Paul on the road, right? And knocks him off his horse and says, why are you persecuting me in my church? What I love what Paul does here this morning, and we're reading in 1 Corinthians, he doesn't just say, hey, it's just fulfilled by the scriptures what he does uh, uh, start off saying, but he, sa- he goes beyond that and he speaks to our reasoning. He speaks to our minds. Our, our, our faith is not just something we feel, it's something we understand as well. And he says, for those of you guys who don't believe that this actually happened, I want to tell you something. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the 12. He appeared to 500 people at once. He appeared to James the half-brother of Jesus, he appeared to me. And it wasn't just this like, <laughs> you know, we think of Jesus with a resurrected body, he could, you know, he'd do anything, he's God, but it, it, it wasn't like he just kind of went, and then disappeared, and everyone was like, I think I just saw Jesus, right? Did you just see Jesus? Maybe, I think. And then this like folklore came, and then the legend of like, Jesus appeared to me for 0.5 seconds. No, I mean, these appearings were moments where Jesus dined with them. Were moments where he still taught them. I mean, think about when he ascends into heaven. He doesn't just read the Matthew 28 account. He doesn't just say it and then, I mean, this is moments where he's got people gathered around him. Now, some of us might go, okay, well, that's well and good. This guy's writing the Bible. He's trying to like convince you of a story. Of course he's gonna say he saw him right? That's easy for Paul to say. Think about, think about the death that these guys went. So like James, the half-brother of Jesus. First of all, if any of our family told us they were God, what would we do? We'd slap them, right? We'd be like, uh, I've seen you lie to mom, or I've seen the mess under your bed, or, you know, like, whatever. We could think of all the things that I'm not going to say here that would probably be inappropriate, but you're, you're going to tell me you're God, and so the half-brother of Jesus has this familiar, familiarity with Jesus, but he still believes that his half-brother is God. Not only that, they, they try to, they bring him up on the, the church mountain and says, Re, you know, tell us that he's not God, tell us he's not, and he goes, I won't recant. They throw him off. They break both his legs. He still doesn't die. What happens? They stone him to death. But it wasn't just James. Peter dies a horrible death. And these guys, you know, most people might die for a conviction. Right? But people will not die for just a made-up story. And especially the way these guys died. 
What else? I mean, what else helps us understand the resurrection actually happened through the seeing the lives of these people? I mean, why would, why would Jesus, why would Jesus choose to use two women to tell of the story about him being resurrected? Now, I'm not saying that for us this morning, women are lesser, but in, the, in this culture, a woman's uh, eyewitness was deemed inadmissible into court. They were deemed as less of humans than men were. Now, if you're going to tell a lie, I mean, might as well just tell a lie, right? It's like your kids, you know, and you come home and they're like, no, it wasn't me. And you're like, but you were the only one home. Uh, it wasn't me. They got chocolate all over their face. I swear, it wasn't me. And you're like, okay, you know. The first account of the resurrected Christ is with two women. And I love what Kirk said Friday night. One of the good reasons that Good Friday is good is because he's redeemed all people. Not just men, not just women, but he's brought us all equal to the cross. And so here's the thing. If you're going to tell a lie, why not tell it with somebody who's like a Roman noble dignitary or some high up Jewish authority who would give you credibility in your lie? But he uses two of the most unlikely people. And I love the fact that Paul doesn't just say to us this morning, reading out of this chapter, hey, just believe it because you feel it in your heart. There is evidence to the resurrection of Christ. Now, for those of us who already accept this truth and believe Jesus as our risen Savior who's victorious over sin and death, sometimes we have the danger of viewing this morning of what happened today is kind of like our appendix. Anybody here, anybody know somebody who has ever had their appendix taken out? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. Are your friends or are you, any, are you still alive? Yes, you're still alive. Why? Because you didn't really need your appendix. You kind of just got it cut out. Maybe the doctor showed you and you're like, oh, that's gross. You know, but you're still thriving. You're still fine. Why? Because you don't need your appendix. And some of us here this morning, we may say, yes, we're Christians. We may put our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and risen Savior. But today is just a one day event that happens out of 364. And the resurrection doesn't do anything to or for us the rest of the year. And it's like an appendix. And it's not until some preacher brings it up that goes, hey, remember that day your appendix was taken out? And you go, oh, yes, I'm so grateful that it was taken out because it was causing me such pain, but I don't need it anymore. <laughs> and we do that sometimes with the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, um, I, was a, I remember being a kid, and my, one of my fond memories of me and my dad, I had a great relationship with my dad. My dad was like, he was a hands-on dad. Uh, my kids experience him as like a hands-on grandpa. Whenever he comes, I mean, he's the guy who's rolling around on the floor, making like grr, grr, monster noises with the kids, scaring them, and then he'll like swing them. I mean, he does all that kind of stuff. He's a great dad. But one of my fond memories was making model airplanes with him. And he, to be honest, he would do most of the work, you know. He would like go buy a kit, and then I would just sit there and like watch him do it and maybe like point out when he was doing something wrong, you know. 
But I remember, you know, like the, 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 the blade that we, we got the hardcore kits, okay? So it wasn't this just like snap, snap, and it's done. It was like you got to cut all the parts, and then there's decals. I don't know if you guys even know what that is, but you put them in this floating, they put them in the water, and then what happens is as they loosen, they, they start to float, and then you got to grab them and put them exactly right on the airplane, exactly where they're supposed to go, and it's, it's, it's detailed. And the more, the higher up, the higher up the level on the box, the more detailed this model airplane is. And I remember, you know, We'd have to sit there, and I, I'd watch it, and as my dad was done with it, he's like, hey, no, don't touch it, because it's got to dry. And I'm like, oh, you know, wanting to grab it. And finally, he's like, okay, now you can play with it. What did I do? I would grab the model airplane, and make all the noises that boys do. I would pretend like I was a pilot. All right, uh, tower, we're coming in for landing. Do I have permission? That's uh, affirmative, blah, 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 over, all these kind of things, right? And then come in for a landing, but the problem was that if I were to throw that airplane, one, my dad would be mad, right? <laughs> but what would happen to it? It just goes, <laughs> crash. Why? There's nothing inside of that airplane that makes it alive, that makes it, there's no engine to turn the propellers. There's no little man sitting in the cockpit as much as my imagination imagined there was. Nothing would happen. <laughs> and so many of us here this morning kind of live our Christianity. All the good things on the outside, we're detailed. We do all the religious things. We have all the decals. We have all the stickers. We have them on our, I don't put them on my car because if I drive a certain way, I don't want anyone to know. <laughs> you remember my story from a couple weeks ago. And on the outside, we look so Christian. But on the inside, the, the, the truth of the resurrection is far from us. It's like an appendix. It's like an engine that we never put in our plane. And what we're doing with our life is... That's a model airplane hitting the ground, if you didn't know. So what does Paul say to us who may be there this morning? Look at, we're going to skip. I'm, I'm, you guys, I'm running out of time. What are you guys doing to me this morning? Skip down to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. And this is what he says about a resurrectionless Christianity. He says, but tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then what? Then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. Me standing up here this morning, I mean, I might be entertaining for some of you guys. I might be engaging. But reality is, if Jesus hasn't been res resurrected from the dead... Honestly, you're doing yourself more of a favor by just going home and eating some Easter eggs. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. Holy cow. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that 
can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if, and if our hope in Christ is only for, the, for this life, Man, this is brutal. We are more to be pitied than what? Than anyone in the world. So some of us would go, oh, that's not a problem. I believe in the resurrection. I do. I believe in it. But my challenge to us this morning is, do you? (laughs) Do you really? Does your life resemble a life that is based on the resurrected Christ? The one who has all power over sin and death? Or are you model airplaning your Christianity? I mean, honestly, guys, if this isn't alive in us, Paul says our faith is useless. We're still dead in our sins. You know, all we're doing here this morning, if the resurrection didn't happen, is we're just doing religion. We're all trying to convince ourselves of something to make ourselves feel better about when we die. It's all a big lie. I mean, sure, we can all agree Jesus was alive. He was a person. I mean, even, even, even atheists believe that there was a man named Jesus. But the difference this morning for you and me is the resurrection. The resurrection gives us power over sin and death. The resurrection gives us meaning. The resurrection changes everything. I'm sure that right now some of you are saying, what are the areas in my life where I'm living a resurrectionless life? I'm asking myself that same question. What are the implications of the resurrection? I'm going to give us three things and then we'll be done. You guys okay? All right. And then we can go have some donuts. Verse 20, Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. In case you refuted that, in case you didn't know it, Christ has been raised. And so, therefore, there's implications to that. Look at verses 17 and 18. We just said it here, but I'm going to reiterate. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. See, the, the main, one of the major implications of the resurrection of Christ for you and me this morning is that The resurrection means it's the death of sin. The death of sin. The resurrection is, if you're a poker guy, it is the ace of spades, right? It is is the, you know, I love the movie Braveheart. I, I love it. Like, I think I watched it 13 times in the theater when it came out. So... You are welcome, Mel Gibson, right? You got my money. 
I remember being so impassioned. But there's this moment in the movie where his, his uh, big old friend, Amish, big giant, like, he looks like a giant dwarf. If that, that doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> How can a dwarf be giant? But he's like stout. He's got this huge beard. And he speaks with a Scottish accent, you know? And there's this moment where, where the, um, the, the nobles of Scotland are all arguing and bickering, like, who's going to, I'm going to be the guy. No, you're going to be the guy. No, we should be the guy, right? All this kind of stuff. And Amish has just had enough of it. And he's got this huge old hammer, and they're all like sitting around this table, and then all of a sudden he's just like, Ugh, I can't stand anymore. And he pulls out the hammer and goes, bam, and hits it, and all the like stuff flies up in the air. Their plates and, you know, half-eaten chicken and all the medieval things you can think of that are on the table <laughs> fly up, and everyone just gets quiet. And the resurrection is like Amish coming, and where you and I this morning go, Ah, yeah, I know it's the death of sin, but, you know, my sin is too big. You you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've looked at this week. You don't know the thoughts I've thought. You don't know the things that I've done to people. You don't know how I treated this person or my wife or my kids or how I neglected, etc. Jesus, yeah, I kind of get it. And what the resurrection does this morning is says, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. It brings out the big hammer and goes, Whoop-boosh on the table and says, it is over. The resurrection means it's the death of sin forever. Every, the worst, 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 worst thing that you have ever done and will ever do if you have this morning put your hope and your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that sin is dead forever. So why do we go around like little model airplanes and go look at me on the outside? See, there's power in the resurrection. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're struggling with this guilt, you are believing, and I'm not saying this with harshness, you are believing the most absurd lie. What we tend to do is go, the sponge of Jesus didn't get all my sin. He didn't absorb it all. And that might be true if he only would have died on Good Friday. But the resurrection is proof that he's victorious over our sin. What else? Number two. Not only is the resurrection the death of sin, the resurrection is the death of death. (laughs) Hallelujah. Verse 42 and 44, where are we here? Let me find us. This is what he says. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Verse 43 Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And let me just tell you this this morning, friends. We are weak. We are frail. All it takes 
is a car crash, an airplane ride. One, one cell in your body to go rogue. A sneeze. Somebody sitting next to you in the movie theater. Uh, you feel the spray of it, right? I see all you guys right now getting out your Purell and your hand sanitizers. And like, <laughs> spraying it on you. All it takes is one mile. And, and here's what we tend to do. We forget about the power of the resurrection, and so what do we do? We stuff blueberries in our face, right? Oh, superfruit, antioxidants. We eat kale with spinach and all the nasty green things, right? <laughs> we exercise, we're on the treadmill, we're running to nowhere, and all those things are good, and I would say it's good stewardship to be, as a Christian, yes, work out, exercise, eat healthy, eat grass-fed beef, all of that, go for it. But don't put your hope in it. Lance Armstrong, I mean, he's probably not a great example. <laughs> All it takes is one cell to go rogue. And when what happens? Our hope goes crashing down. But when you and me put our hope in the resurrection... That can never be taken from us. Never. Nobody, no one, no power, the hell itself, Satan can come to you and look you straight in the eye and go, I'm going to take your life. And you go, take it. Go ahead. I don't fear you. You know who I fear? Is the one who could take my soul and you can't have it. Because it's already in the hands of my resurrected Savior who is over, yeah, I mean, we could clap that, yeah. <laughs> and so often, friends, we get, we, you know how, what did I write down in here? I don't know what I wrote, I can't find my notes. You know how you know you're not living a resurrected life in the hope of future of, of death and being afraid? What, what keeps you up at night? What keeps you up? Are you anxious about stuff? Do you fear things? Why? Because the resurrection isn't alive in you. I'm saying this to myself too. Man, there are moments where I toss and turn and like, you know, leading, leading a community here, I'm like, God, we need help. <laughs> what, if, what if this doesn't happen? What if everything doesn't look perfect? And I, it's just, you're just going, well, you know, there's bigger fish to fry. Hey, by the way, I was resurrected from death, and so you don't need to worry about all those things. <laughs> Holy cow. You know, when we're not afraid of dying because we have a hope in the future, this gives us abandoned trust. Abandoned trust. And I, I've said this question multiple times, but I think it's appropriate even right now. Do you trust God with the consequences of being fully obedient to him? That answer is, if you don't understand the power of the resurrection. But when this becomes alive in us, when it becomes revelation, we can go, Jesus, you can have it all. You can have my kids, my wife, my husband, my finances, my car, my health, Anything you want, you can have it. Why? Because you're good and you're powerful over the fear that I'm wanting to take these things back, right? 
That's why we hold him back. It's because we're afraid that God in his goodness, he's going to take something we want. I'm getting on sidetracked here, but when the power of the resurrection fills our hearts, we can have it all. Because I know there's life after this, this life. And this body that, you know, some of you are going, what's wrong with that? You know, mm-hmm. But this body that we have right now, it's going to be perfect without pain, without fear, without sorrow. Yeah. Without decay. Where rust and moth cannot get at. Last one. Look at verses 57 and 58. Where am I? The resurrection is not just death of sin. It's not just death of death. But the resurrection is resurrection life. He says this in verse 57. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Now, Here's what we do sometimes as Christians, especially if we lean like way more reformed and we're like, I'm just a worm and I'm a sinner and, you know, like I just got to endure to the end. And yes, that's true. We're sinners and we need a savior and all those things. But for you and me who have put our hope in Jesus, there's not just the death of death and there's not just the death of sin. We're not just looking forward. There is life to the fullest to be experienced now, right now, right in this very moment and every moment until we go to be to glory. Now, I'm not preaching this prosperity gospel that if you put your hope in Jesus, everything's going to be better. Your life is just, I mean, everything's going to be daisies and you're going to be skipping and, you, you know, everyone's, it's going to be like the Truman Show in case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, right? And everyone's just got this weird smile, and you're just happy. No, we experience pain and sorrow. Jesus never said, follow me, and I'll make your life, like, I'll give you, like, cookies all the time. That's not how life works. But there's something of a resurrection, the resurrection power that pours itself into our here and now that makes us live differently. See, If I understand that, how do I treat other people around me? What do I want to tell them? I want to tell them the good news of Jesus. Why? Because my life's been changed. My life's been transformed. I've been renewed. I once was dead and now I'm alive. I once was destined for destruction and now I've been adopted into a family. I once was far from God, but God in his mercy, rich in love, he brought me into his family. And all of the implications of what it means to live in the family of God. You ever go to somebody's house and they're like maybe really wealthy and they, I I remember going to my mother-in-law's house for the first time. And I grew up in a house that was kind of like you had to ask if you, you know, hey, you want to have something to drink, you, you ask mom and dad before, before you pour a cup, because, you know, that's just what you do. How dare you go into the fridge? 
And I remember coming over to my, my mother-in-law's house. First time I walked in the house, and I, go, I said, hey, we called her Madi, which is Italian for, like, godmother, right? Kumadi, yeah, yeah. We call her Madi. She was, mm, mm. <laughs> If you ever want to hear some, some stories... She's got a few of those. Where was I? I walked in the house, and I asked her, hey, Madi, can I have a glass of milk? And she goes, you know how you've ever said it with Madi. You don't have to ask me that. You just go and get some milk. And I was like, uh, okay, you know. And it's like as if I already knew where the glasses were, so I'm like walking in over here. See, the thing for you and me is we have all of that to our disposal as Christians. The resurrection means there's fullness. We can go into our dad's pantry, Heavenly Father, and we can say, God, I need this. And he's like, you don't even have to ask for that. I've already paid the price for you. Yeah, 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 you know, but I, I, I had a really bad week. Yeah, I thought all these. Yeah, I know, but I already paid the price for that. So, see, I already went to Costco, got all this stuff. There's a whole bunch of you. I buy in bulk, don't worry about it. It's not going to run out. <laughs> so why do we live life like it's only way out there? One day. That's, I don't know what that was. <laughs> the resurrection is meaningful. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection matters. I know there's areas in my life this morning. Here's what I want to do. I want to address a couple people. Maybe you this morning are skeptic. Maybe you're saying, that sounds good. It's just so hard to believe. There's this guy I love. He's a great writer. His name is Paul Tripp. And he has this little saying. You probably heard me share this with you. He says, we have this thing called the inner lawyer in our hearts. And it's just the, the little thing inside us going, uh, Objection, that could not be true. That's what a lawyer sounds like. <laughs> if you're a lawyer, you don't sound like that. You sound like, I don't know what you sound like. Okay. But we have this inner lawyer inside our heart that says, Objection, hold on. Examine the facts. And I want to tell you this morning to fire your inner lawyer. See, what the inner lawyer is, is this our carnal mind, this fleshly mind? Yeah, it takes faith to accept that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It takes faith. But when we, when we turn off that, that, that cynicism and we allow God's love to penetrate our hearts and the Holy Spirit to get a hold of us and say, this is not just for these people who believe this, this is for you too because I want to set you free from you trying to be a good person on your own power all the time. You can't do it. You're just a little model airplane without the power of the resurrection living in your life. It's pride that tells us not to fire that inner lawyer. I'm not going to do it. They're not going to win. They're not going to get me. We're not trying to get anybody this morning. God loves you. That's, that's the plain, simple truth. The reason you're here this morning, if you're not a believer, if you may be a skeptic, is because God brought you here. 
the fact that I'm telling you that God loves you is that God loves you. And my encouragement to you this morning is to surrender to that love of God. Surrender to the resurrected king. You don't have to try to do this on your own. There's a community here too that will support you and love you. Because when you have those bad days and you're tempted to believe the lies that you're not good enough, we'll get around you and we'll say, hey, I struggle with that too. But let me remind you of the truth. And then for those of us who've already crossed, maybe crossed that line of faith and said, yeah, I did. I just want to throw out the question, and this is to myself, what are the areas of our lives that we're trying to live a resurrectionless Christianity? Where are you just, where is your, your Christianity just dead religion? If I do this, then I make God happy. That's not the way it works. See, God's already happy with you because of Jesus. We do things because we love him. And so this morning, you may have to surrender to the truth of the resurrection in your life. Will you stand with me this morning?